Merry Christmas. I invite uh, Pastor Pemberton up here to uh, give us God's word. Well, I want you to know it's really a pleasure to be here with Covenant Life Church. I had never heard about this church until two or three weeks ago and found out about it. And it was mentioned that um, if I was interested in preaching here, it might be something I would do. And I'm glad that I uh, have come. I know Kathy and I both um, enjoy meeting with other brothers and sisters in Christ, and it's wonderful to see this gathering here, especially because it's so close to the university, and you're in a great place to uh, reach out to the community around and to this part of the city. So we're delighted to be here with you this morning. I always like to begin by saying this before I preach a sermon. Grace to you in peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to be preaching a prayer, uh, preaching a, a message today that has to do with what's going on in our world. I think we all know that there's a lot of turmoil, a lot of uh, people who are, are doing strange things, in some cases some very wicked things. And what I want to do today is give you a sermon that will help you understand spiritually what's happening. So often we look at what's going on in the world around us and we think about what we can see, but it's the things that we can't see, the spiritual powers that are so much at work and we need to know about those. And so we're going to be looking at that this morning. But before we get started, please join me in a prayer. Oh, Father, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable before you, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. As I mentioned, many people in America, and I know in other parts of the world, are doing things that are disordered and are doing things with much wickedness. And I think you pick that up in the news and when we're on looking at reports on our smartphone, we see there's a lot out here that is very, very disturbing, very, very ugly, very wicked. Let me give you an example just to remind us all of some of what's happening that we need to understand. The U.S. Supreme Court says that same-sex marriage is right for Christians. I'm sorry, right for Americans. But God says in Genesis 2, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And in Levi, uh, Leviticus chapter 20, if a man lies with a male and he lies with a woman, lies with a male as he lies with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. It's very clear that same-sex marriage is something that violates God's commandments. The Supreme Court also says that it's right for a pregnant woman to take her unborn baby to a doctor and have it killed. And many women are glad to pay a doctor to do that. But God says in Exodus 10, you shall not murder. Our public schools believe it is right to teach children about sexual diversity, even to the point of telling them that they can decide what their sex is. 
But God says, and you remember in Genesis 1, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. Sexuality is something given by God. It's an objective thing. People can't determine it. God makes some men and some women, and that cannot or should not be changed. And also, so many Americans, and I think in other parts of the world, people believe that the only hope for progress in a nation is by science. Now, science is very important. We need science. Science can do good things for us, but science cannot make America a wonderful place. It cannot give progress, the right kind of progress, which is spiritual progress to a nation. True progress is a spiritual progress, and it's done by the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. Those are just examples of the kinds of things that are happening in our nation and in other parts of the world. And our Lord really wants us to understand what's happening. It's so easy to walk through this and see it from the outside, but the passage that we're going to be looking at today opens up to us what is really going on. And as brothers and sisters in Christ, as servants of Jesus Christ, we need to know and have an understanding, a framework, so that we can understand what's happening and know what our role is. What is it that we do when this is happening? So the text we're going to be looking at is John chapter 12, verse 46. I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. This is what our Lord Jesus was saying before some Jews. He had been telling them about himself. Uh, there were some who believed in him. Many did not believe in him. And he was giving them an understanding that if they would indeed trust in him, they could be brought out of darkness into light. Let me read it again for you. I have come into the world as light, he said, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Now, there are several things we're going to be seeing here. The first thing that our Lord is telling us in that passage is this. He shows us that there are two spiritual places in the world, two places where people will be, one or the other. Notice in that passage that I just read to you, he said, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. He's talked about two places, darkness and light. Many people are in darkness. He's concerned. He comes as light to bring them out of darkness into the light that he gives, the light that, that he is. Those are the two places, spiritual darkness and spiritual light. This is very important. The Apostle Paul in Colossians 1 gives us a, an interesting statement about those two places. Now listen to what he says. This is Colossians chapter 1, speaking about what God has done through Christ. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us 
to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Did you hear what the apostle Paul said? People who he was speaking to, the church at Colossae, and many of them had come out of pagan backgrounds. He is saying, you were brought out of the domain of darkness and you were transferred into the kingdom of his beloved son. Those are those two places. Now, there's something very important about this. There's no such thing as spiritual neutrality. There is nobody on this planet that is not in darkness or not in light, but is somewhere in the middle. There's no such thing as that kind of neutrality. Every human being is either living in darkness and walking in darkness, or they are living in light the light that Jesus Christ brings, the kingdom of God as opposed to the kingdom of the forces of darkness. It's very important to know this because as we rub shoulders with people, after time of getting to know them, loving them and hearing about what their thoughts are, we can begin to tell whether they're walking in darkness or whether they're walking in the light of Christ. So that's the first thing. It's very important. There are two spiritual places, darkness and light. The second thing is this. Jesus came to those who live in darkness. Remember that passage. I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. To remain in darkness means to live there. That's where they abide. It's a, it's a very awful place to be. There's no light there. People don't know God. They don't know themselves. They really don't understand themselves. They don't know that they're sinners because they're in darkness. And the sad thing that we see as we walk through the, uh, the Gospels in the New Testament, is that this describes very much most of the Jews of that time in the first century. Most of them were walking in darkness. I know it's hard for us sometimes to think that because they were God's covenant people. But most of them, as we know, did not believe in Jesus Christ, who was their Messiah. In fact, they wanted to have him killed. What happened within the Jews was that the men who were the teachers of the Jews did not really understand fully the Old Testament. In fact, they began to twist the Old Testament in certain ways. And what they did as well is instead of focusing on God's word, they brought up something called the tradition of the elders, which meant these were things that students of the scriptures had added to God's word. And they focused more on their words that they had come up with than the word of God and they were teaching people this tradition of the elders which were man-made ideas but not focusing on the word of God with the Jews and so people were very confused and because of that they were being led in darkness and our Lord Jesus knew what was going on and let me read from you a passage from John chapter 8 
And it's when our Lord was talking to some of the Jews. It's a very difficult passage. It's something that's hard to understand in some ways because we don't expect this of God's covenant people, the Jews. But this is what our Lord said, and we'll be dipping into a certain part of that conversation. This is what our Lord said. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God, and I am here. I came not on my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. What he was telling them was that they were walking in darkness. They were under the forces of darkness. I mean, he put it blatantly by saying, you are of your father, the devil. They were walking in darkness, beloved. This is really a tragic thing. Without knowing it, they were. Without knowing it, they were servants of the devil. That doesn't mean they were demon-possessed. That's not what it's about. It simply means that they were, uh, that the forces of darkness were tempting them, that they were following the lies that the devil had said. Remember Adam and Eve? This is what happened. Eve was in the garden. Uh, Adam and Eve, for a brief time, were following God's word, but then they heard the serpent speak. And what did they do? They did what the serpent said. They listened to the serpent's word. This was the devil tempting, and they sinned. It's either one or the other. And we see here again that the Jews were walking in darkness. They were spiritually blind. And they did not know. They did not know they were walking in darkness. To help sort this out a little bit, it's interesting, uh, maybe you, like Kathy and I, have been sitting at home some evening or in your apartment some evening, and all of a sudden, the lights went out. And we knew the lights went out. It's, It's interesting because we could see the darkness, if you know what I mean. We could see, okay, it's dark. And what we would do then is reach out and walk around our home and try to find for me, a flashlight, Kathy would go find some candles, and we knew that those would be light, and so we would go and bring them over. I would turn my flashlight on, and she would light some candles on the coffee table, and we could see for a while. We knew we were in light. We, we had light, and we knew how to get a hold of light. That's what we can do with spiritual darkness, and I mean, with physical darkness and light. But spiritual darkness is different. People who are in darkness don't know it. They walk around in life thinking they they know what they're doing, but they don't. 
They don't know the most important things of life. It's a very, very dangerous place to be spiritually because ultimately if they aren't brought out of that darkness, they will face the eternal judgment of God. They don't know. They don't know that they're walking in darkness. They don't see that God is the one who made them. Can you imagine? They don't see that because they're walking in darkness. They cannot see God's commandments because they do not know anything about the word of God and they don't believe in many cases of a God. And they cannot see, therefore, that they're disobeying God. They cannot see that they're under the power of the forces of darkness. And they cannot see that disobeying, disobeying God takes a person down a, a road that will lead to catastrophe and terrible suffering under the judgment of God. And one of the things we need to be aware of is there are people around us that we will rub shoulders with who are spiritually blind. They're living in darkness. It's a very important thing to be aware of. And that's a very, in some ways, very concerning thing. But the wonderful thing is, and that's the third point, is that our Lord Jesus came to deliver people from that darkness. He came as light to deliver sinners from darkness. He said in that passage we read, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. The light was Jesus himself. You may remember the opening part of the Gospel of John. It talks about the fact that the Son of God who created, was the agent of creation, took on flesh, became the Lord Jesus Christ, and he came into this world with light, but the darkness did not overwhelm him. The Lord Jesus, when he comes as light, his power is far more powerful than the forces of darkness. And the way in which he shined his light was involved so many things, healing people and doing good things before others. But one of the things that's the most important is what he said to people. He spoke truth to the Jews and he said it with a concern for where they were spiritually. He spoke the truth, and we know that from verse, uh, from chapter 8 that I read from a moment ago. He said to them, because I tell the truth, you do not believe in me. Which of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe in me? What I'm simply getting from that passage is that our Lord came to tell the truth. That was key. He came to tell them who he was. He came to t tell them about the Father and what he really wanted them to do, not just the, 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 uh, the man-made tradition of elders, but God's word. He spoke it to them. He told them of God and his promises and why he was here, reminded them of their sins, but also of the grace and mercy that he was going to give his life for. These were truths. And this is the way that his light would shine. Of course, many didn't believe in him. As I said, tragically, the majority of the Jews in the first century did not, and uh, they did not believe in him. And they 
sad to say, wouldn't have been rescued from, from darkness because of that. Their hearts had been hardened. And I must say, just to take a moment, the circumstances with the Jews was a very unique situation. It's not the same that we see so much today. There are a lot of people who don't know the Lord uh, when they walk in darkness. But the hardness of the Jews' heart was deep. They had been for centuries misunderstanding the word of God and serving idols. We know that. And this time in the first century was a time when there was later a great judgment upon those Jews who would not believe. But some did. In fact, um, some did, in, in fact, believe in the Lord. Many Jews did. After Jesus' resurrection and ascending into heaven, there were several thousands of Jews who did believe in Jesus. And it's a wonderful thing. We see that in the book of Acts. Their hearts were not as hard as others. The true words of Jesus Christ shined in their, in their hearts. And later, as you remember, there were apostles going around different cities and places throughout their part of the world. And thousands of Gentiles believed in Jesus Christ and his truth shined in their hearts. He opened their eyes and they saw their sins. They saw Jesus who died for their sins. They saw that they were no longer walking in wickedness, but were learning to walk in righteousness. This is one of the things that happened after Jesus did his public ministry. It, it carried on. But it raises a very important question, something we need to understand. During Jesus' earthly ministry, he shined his light in person. He was physically present. But when he shined his light to those thousands of Jews and Gentiles, he was not physically present to shine his life, to speak the word directly before people, to actually touch people who were sick and have them healed. He wasn't in person to do that. So the question comes, because he was at the right hand of the Father, how did his light shine later? In fact, how does it shine today? How is Jesus shining his life when he is at the right hand of the Father and not here in person? The answer to that question is number four here. Jesus shines his light now in places of darkness through his disciples. This is one of those things, when I think about it, it just, just almost overwhelms me because Jesus is the light. He is the one who came to bring light. But if you remember, in Matthew chapter 5, he said this to his disciples. It's very important, and I'll read it. You are the light of the world. He's speaking to his disciples. This is part of the Sermon on the Mount. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Our Lord Jesus says that his disciples, and that would include us, 
He was saying this, certainly focusing much on his apostles, but this is something that applies to all of us who are followers of, followers of Christ. We are the light of the world. And what that simply means, of course, Jesus is always the light, but we are his representatives. We are the ones now who come who have received the light in Jesus, whose eyes have been opened, who know God and know of their sins and know of Jesus dying for them and know what the future will be when Jesus returns and they have such hope for that. These, this is what Jesus has done to bring the light into us. And he's saying, now it is your turn to speak the truth and to do good works before people in this world so they can know that I did something in you. I brought you out of the darkness into light. And you're speaking of the truth to others, passing on what you have learned about me and who I am. You pass that on to others. And then you live a life that's not perfect, but a life that shows that you're walking toward righteousness. You are doing good things. Notice what he said, remember, that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. There, there are two aspects to this. And, and what we need to understand, we're not taking Jesus' place. There's no way. But when we, as his ambassadors, do two things I'm going to look at here. He is at work. Ultimately, it's him working through us. We simply are doing the faithful work that he calls us to. And through that, he brings by the power of the Holy Spirit the light into the lives of those who are in darkness. The two things that, that, that are key for us in shining our light are, are this. The first one is doing what Jesus did by speaking truth. There's so, there are so many lies in this world today about what's a good life, what people should be doing. People are telling lies about that. Our job, as to the best we know of what is good and true from Scripture, is something that needs to be told to others who don't know. And, and we have to do this very carefully. You know, when you speak to somebody about the truths of the gospel, we don't just run into them and drag them off the street corner and try to pound these truths into them. We get to know people. We ask questions, how are they doing? When we find out there's something they're struggling with, we say, we're gonna pray for you. And as our relationship develops with them over time, we begin to understand where they are and we have opportunity because they know we love them to, give, to tell them truths that are, are so important. Missionaries are trained to speak truth to pagan sinners. Pastors and elders are trained to speak to truth and to use the word of God to guide a congregation. Parents are to speak truth to their children. Some work outside the home and, are, and have opportunities to speak the truth to coworkers. And again, these things have to be done wisely. One has to, has to think about the timing of this, but we cannot ignore those people that we discover are walking in darkness. We all have opportunities to speak truth to our family members, to friends and neighbors. And these, again, are things that may take time, but it's a very important part. Speaking the truth like Jesus. That's one of the ways our Lord 
opens his light into the hearts of others. The other thing is what Jesus said about good works, that people would see our good works, but not for our glory, but for the glory of our Father. Why? Because it is the work of the Father and the Son that has made us what we are. And so people see there's something different with these people who walk in good ways. Now, given what's going on in especially America, and it's similar to what's happening in other parts of the world, here's how we need to look in part of what it means now for us to do good works. Though our Supreme Court says that men may 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 uh, marry women, uh, men may marry men, and women can marry women, though that's legal, we are to let our light shine by obeying God's word. We marry someone of the opposite sex. That's what God calls us to. Though our Supreme Court says that it's fine for women to go to a doctor and have their unborn baby killed, women let their light shine by knowing that their baby is a gift from God which they gladly care for with love. Though our public schools teach and practice sexual diversity, parents let their light shine by doing everything they can to keep their children out of such schools. As we shine our light this way, between speaking the truth in love and between doing good works, as we do that, there will be people who will hate us. Sometimes it might be family members, it might be a neighbor, it might be a good friend, it might be a university professor, it might be who knows. But when we speak the truth and when we live in such a way, there are people who hate what we're doing in this world. But beloved, they need what we're doing. They need to hear. It's so easy for us to get angry at people who hate Christians. It would be easy for us to ignore them, but we have to remember we are called to love our enemies. We need to know that those people who hate us are walking in darkness. They don't know who they are. They don't know God. They can't see who he is. They can't see the danger that they are in spiritually or the spiritual forces that are directing them. Our job is to still love them and speak truth and to live faithfully to the Lord before them. Even though they hate us, we love them, we pray for them, and we realize that the way we respond to them is part of the way the light of Christ is shining. Our Lord can work in amazing ways. Let me tell you a story of a friend of mine. His name is Ruslan Moroz. He lives in Russia, far southeastern part of Russia. As a young man, he certainly grew up in a Russian home. He, uh, His parents... Uh, his, his mother stayed at home and worked with his father, worked a lot away from the home. As he grew up as a young man, he decided he wasn't going to join the Communist Party. That would have been a better place to be successful 
in Russia, he ended up enlightening into the um, Russian army. And as he did so, he realized that he was not going to be able to make a lot of money. He ended up getting married. They had two children. And uh, he was not able, by the income he was getting, to really support his family. And he got desperate at this point, trying to figure out a way to make more money for his family. And what he did was he entered the Russian mafia. Uh, in case you don't know what mafia means, it's an underground kind of um, business. It's an organized crime business that's secret that people do in a group. And he ended up being part of this because he thought he could make some money. The way his mafia group made money was they would take cars stolen that were Japanese cars, new cars apparently, and they would sell these stolen cars. And as soon as he began being part of this organization, he made a lot of money. But as he was doing so, his parents were very uh, disappointed in what he was having, and they were hating the kind of life he had chosen. His wife did not like what he was doing in the mafia, and she divorced him. And after that, he was really struggling. And for nine months, he had a family who, uh, parents who didn't like him. His wife had divorced him. And for nine months, he suffered, wondering, worrying. His life was being broken up. And he thought about committing suicide. But one thing that happened was that he met an old friend of his named let me see, Edward, an old friend. And this man, Edward, had just become a pastor of a Korean Presbyterian church uh, where they lived. It, it's the, the far southeastern part of Russia is, is close, of course, to Korea. And there was a church in Russia there, Korean church, and his friend, old friend from the time he was a child, was there pastoring. And this surprised him. They had a little visit together, and he, uh, Ruslan told his story. And this man, who was a good man, told him this. He said, Jesus Christ has the power to bring forgiveness and restoration to your life and to your family. That's simply what that pastor told him. The next day, Ruslan went to church at that, where that man pastored. And the sermon and what he heard there completely changed his heart and his mind. He was overwhelmed with the truth he had heard. And he trusted in Jesus Christ. And he really sensed the movement of the Holy Spirit to transfer him into someone who not only believed the Lord, but was wanting to live and follow Jesus Christ. His whole life turned around. There was a problem, though. He did not want to stay in the mafia. But he knew he had to leave. He was in a business that was really wicked. So he went to the boss of the mafia and told him, I need to leave this business. And the, the leader said, okay. And I don't know if you know how mafia works, but most of the time when you leave the mafia, some time later, they kill you. But by God's grace, they never touched him. 
He went home. He went and talked to his wife. They ended up getting remarried. Um, as he stayed in church, was a regular in church, he felt a call to being a pastor. And so he went to seminary. I've had a chance to meet with him uh, in a class that he was in uh, about three years ago. And what he ended up doing, beloved, is being a pastor of a church now in Romanovka, Russia, near Vladivostok. And the name of that church is Light to the World Presbyterian Church. A man let his light shine by loving a friend. He let his light shine by telling this old friend a simple truth, that the Lord Jesus Christ can change your life and reconcile you with your family. And he trusted him. But beloved, it wasn't the words of that pastor. The words of the pastor, the pastor said good things. But it was God, our Lord Jesus Christ, working through those, Lord, those words given by one of his followers. Those words used by the power of the Holy Spirit opened up his life, shined into his heart, brought him out of darkness into light. This coming Sunday, as we know, is going to be Christmas. Well, I'm sorry, this coming Saturday is Christmas. And we'll be celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ, the light of the world. We'll likely have some lights somewhere. I'm, we're already seeing lights all over town. Lights when we drive by houses. We might have lights, Christmas lights in our home or our apartment. Beloved, let those lights remind you of some very important things. For many people, those who do not know the Lord and walk in darkness, the lights of Christmas are just pretty things. But beloved, for us, they can represent our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the light of the world. Let the lights remind you that in the year to come, you will rub shoulders on people who are walking in darkness. Let the lights you see remind you that you will be able to see that they are walking in darkness. And as followers in Jesus Christ, beloved, you and I cannot walk past people who walk in darkness. We cannot ignore people who walk in darkness when we walk in light. Our Lord calls us to tell them the truths that we know about him. And he calls us to do good works that show them what it is like to obey God with joy and walk in paths of righteousness. Beloved, if we do this, if we're faithful to do this, to speak the truth and to live in righteous ways, good works, our Lord Jesus will bless what we do and will shine his light through us to others, bringing them out of darkness. And in his time, as we do that, as we speak the truth, as we live and do good works, he will bring sinners out of darkness. So, beloved, from now on, let your light shine and he will bring people 
out of darkness. Father, we ask that you would bless these words and that they would take hold of our hearts and guide us to love those who walk in darkness. And we thank you for the light we have. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite uh, Pastor Pemberton to come back up and uh, close in prayer. But before we do that, I just wanted us to spend some time in prayer, responding uh, to the Word of God. And um, I think, you know, besides the obvious blessing of you know, God's Word uh, spoken uh, clearly, uh, we appreciate that, uh, Pastor Pemberton, but um, I think as he was speaking, as he was, um, you know, delivering his word, uh, one thing that came to our mind uh, of uh, what a blessing it is to have him and you know, Kathy in this building because uh, I think as a pastor of our church, one burden that I always have had uh, is that, you know, we are a young church, you know, um, not just you know, length of years of our church, but um, average age, you know. Uh, I'm, some of us the oldest one in our church. I'm 35, and um, a lot of my pastor friends kind of laugh at that, like, well, you're the oldest. Um, and I think the burden that I'm feeling of our church is this, that, um, you know, because we're young, I think we're vibrant. Um, but I think, Ideally, um, in many ways, just like we may experience in our own families, in our, you know, back home, um, you know, we learn a lot from, um, you know, hearing from the older generation, even sometimes disagree with older generation. Um, but because they have lived so much more, uh, and when I look at Pastor Pemberton and Kathy, you know, uh, they walk with the Lord so many years, um, that I cannot fathom the different um, journeys that they, they took with the Lord, walking with Him faithfully, and um, and and I do see, you know, um, the this blessings oozing out of um, their lives, and and uh, I think the one thing that we can learn from the older generation I see I've been meditating on uh, past couple of years is that resolve for the truth. Um, and um, I think, you know, as we just heard from uh, Jesus being the light, I think, you know, as we go into the Christmas and uh, even into our own lives, you know, uh, for students, you still have finals and uh, the working people, you still have work um, tomorrow and this week, uh, although there might be some vacation time this week. Um, you know, do we hold on to the truth? Of God's word, uh, or is our light being blurred uh, by, you know, anything uh, that we uh, perhaps get swayed by? So I just wanted to encourage us to uh, spend this time to, um, you know, meditate on God's word that we just heard, and that ask God to um, amplify His light in us, um, that. You know, that light, that the, the reaction to the light may not always be pleasant, um, but that we would embrace it because that is 
the light of His love for us. And from there on, uh, like Pastor Pemberton um, you know, encouraged us, may we live that and be the light uh, to the world around us as well. Can we pray that uh, just for just a few moments before Pastor Pemberton uh, come back and, and close for us in prayer? Let's pray. As I lead us in prayer, please join, join me. This will be a prayer of us all as we lift up our concerns to our Father in heaven. Almighty God and Father, we thank you for your abundant mercies through Jesus Christ. We thank you for sending your Son into our darkness, into the darkness of this world. And we rejoice that Christ has shined his light on us. Gracious Father, we are concerned for those who walk in darkness, who are believing the lies of the devil. Give us courage, love, and wisdom to speak the truth to those that we see who are in darkness. Guide us with your word so that we can live each day by doing good deeds that show others the light of Christ in us. And Father, we ask that you stir up the hearts of your churches around the world so that your people who carry the name of Christ would shine the light of Christ by speaking his truth to dark sinners and by living a pattern of life that follows the word of God. And Father, we also ask for the spiritual growth of Covenant Life Church. May Pastor Aiden and ruling Elder Nathan be strong and steadfast as they counsel with members of this congregation as they give guidance as sermons are preached and the word is taught that they would be faithful in that and diligent and that this congregation would keep walking in paths of righteousness for your name's sake and father you promise that as we seek first your kingdom and your righteousness that you will give us all that we need to serve you in this world and Father, you have been so generous to us. All the things we have, the material things that are needed for life have come from your hands. And we thank you for that. We ask that you'd help us be mindful of those who have very little in this world that we could give something to them. And, O oh God of justice, we pray for those you have appointed in our government at every level. You tell us this in Romans chapter 13. We ask that President Biden and our Governor Waltz would hear the truth and see the goodness of your church and that this witness would lead these men to carry out their work with righteousness and justice. And, O oh Lord, for those fellow Christians who are suffering in some way, we ask that you would help us to love them and encourage them, that they might have an awareness of your presence and be strengthened in this time of suffering. And Lord, we also are aware of those around the world who are being persecuted in different ways. And Father, we ask that our brothers and sisters who are so suffering would be able to love their enemies and by that show the amazing work of Jesus Christ and that their giving of themselves even to their 
enemies would be something that would change the hearts of those enemies, that the light of Christ would shine. And Father, we ask in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who rules over all principalities and powers and rulers of darkness to do these things which we ask for, for we ask them in the name of our Lord Jesus. And now all God's people say, Amen, Amen. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. The Lord be with you.